Oh, he's around. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that the red light I see? The red light is on, folks. Oh, right. we are live. We live? Oh, man. Timer button. There What's we going are. On, people? Welcome to whoa. another episode of I'm Not Supposed to Be Here. I'm Not Supposed to Be Here. Whoa! Mm. What uh, what episode are we on now? We are Goodness. on seven. 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 Whoa! Lucky right. number seven. Whoa. That means this one's gonna be the one. It's gonna I be like one that. where we hit a thousand, hundred thousand views. Yes, yeah, seven is my favorite number. People oh, are like just gonna throw seven? money at us. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's news to me. I, I'm not gonna dox myself, but seven is very important to me. Oh, for what birthday or something? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Twenty-seven. Oh yeah, like yeah. y'all Christian seven, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys. Did it, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a of an even number guy, but really? I feel you. Actually, that being said, my favorite number is is twenty three. Twenty three. So that that doesn't hmm. particularly pan out for my interesting. even number preference. But, yeah. Um, oh. but anyways, yeah, we're back, y'all. We're back. Can you believe it? I guess it's been it's been you know maybe a good week or two yeah. since our last yeah. recording. I mean, well, they won't notice. Yeah, they won't notice. It's all going to get posted. Yeah. Yeah, it's all going to be like grouped up. But yeah. <laughs> back in the studio. We did live more life. Shout out Drake. Uh, shout out Drake. <laughs> more life. Are you still on your Drake kick or has it kind of panned out? I, I am a little bit on my Drake kick. I have, and I love his tone of voice when really? it comes to like, mm-hmm. I've been studying like how he does his tone of voice and how he does like his mixing a lot. It is very expansive. It's very crisp. You know what's interesting too is I just got back shout from Texas. Shout out 40. Um, I just got back from Texas and I was with my little cousin and, uh, he's what, he's 17. He's about to graduate his senior year. Woo! Um, but I'm like, I'm always just picking his brain, like seeing what's going on in the world of the youth, whatever. I mean, you know, coming from a, a, a live <laughs> report of that yeah, and uh, I'm like, yeah, like, what do you listen to? Like, we're just in the car and he's like, dude, I listen to Drake. He's like, like a lot of old Drake. And I'm like, oh, like my Drake. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he, he's like flipping through and, uh, what was he listening to? Uh, I think it was like. Oh goodness! What was uh? What was like before? Nothing was the same. Oh um, I forget. I forget which one it was, but it was like literally was like when I was October, his age. Yeah, was it the October mixtapes? I gotta bring it up because I yeah, don't know. Yeah, I think it was a lot names. of uh, October's very own, and I think the 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 project after. But um, anyways, I mean, with that, just like, I mean, it's just crazy that like generations have like been you know attuned to drake and everything that he's put out and he's still still relevant still active, still active. Active. yeah mm-hmm. it, it's it's pretty remarkable yeah. but um that Shout was uh that was uh yeah i guess uh an interesting also AI what if i <laughs> i didn't want to bring it up but i was gonna say we did talk about it we have to mention AI. Drake. yeah they violated with yeah. AI drake i mean um, wasn't this song a fucking hit like it took off i mean didn't it, it didn't it chart on the I, billboard we might it be did. thinking about a different song because the, the one, one i heard oh no. the okay. one i heard oh, somebody was, did him dirty yeah Okay. Oh man, yeah, okay. no. He's he's doing some some uh some questionable things in there. Sus, Whoa. as the kids would say. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> see, you know. But um, I mean, no. Did did you hear the one with the weekend though? I don't think so. This oh, with Ghostwriter episode, but yeah. But didn't he 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 sued for that, right? That I do not. I think they sued because um, I was watching a daily episode that was um. It was a podcast. They were talking about it, and the labels were able to pull it off, not because it replicated like his voice from what uh-huh. I've heard and what I vaguely remember from the episode. Um, it was because he had used a sample from another song, so they just oh. kind of did went through the regular routes to clear the sample, right? And we're like, "Hey, you're infringing." Wow. But yeah, the territory around AI in terms of replicating somebody's voice, mm-hmm. um, it's still still kind of iffy of waters. Uh, people mm-hmm. are saying comparing it to like Napster and digital streaming, big and, time, dude. Yeah, I mean, music always has like a difficult time in terms of like mm-hmm. we have to maintain our rights because copyright law is very much influenced by um, by just the past uh, leaders in terms of um, mm-hmm. artistic practices. So like Disney has like a big hand historically in like copyright law, and I feel like we could dive into that in the future. Um, yeah, right. But yeah, like. I think the copyright for artists or someone is like close to like 70 something years. Like it's really long oh, wow. um, before something enters the public domain. Yeah. Remember so. you sent me that one on like, uh, you sent me that one video on like the rights of dead celebrities and stuff. Yeah. And it was it like, was, th- dude, those like, I mean, it seems like such like, 
uh, I mean, random laws, like just kind yeah, of arbitrary, like, oh, a hundred years, then you can use like this, can't use that. It's like, yeah, it's, it's very rules. arbitrary stuff. And mm-hmm. it's purposely arbitrary because they want to make it so that they could constantly extend it. Mm-hmm. Because like, imagine Mickey Mouse in public domain, what would go? <laughs> what would be wild? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my goodness. Yeah. So that's it's part it's very incentivized for companies to kind of lobby and on the behalf of mm-hmm. like these uh these politicians to be like hey yeah like, we really want our our stuff copyrighted and then we'll put like infinite funds towards i don't know fixing schools let's say in a positive sense hmm. so like you know i'll fix up the schools in this area of kentucky just you know avoid for my copyright and make sure <laughs> mickey mouse belongs to me so in uh <laughs> and uh also in in regards to to making and producing music here i i heard you uh had an endeavor on the one Woo! train here yes oh I've my been, gosh i've been waiting to hear about yes yeah, so shout so, out to wait, the one train preface with yes. a little backstory on what the one train ciphers are because i don't know okay so we have uh shout out steve mules and the house of mules so they're like okay. a collective um from what i'm aware of and it's this one gentleman that was just like, I want to bring the city together. And so he just like started these like one train ciphers. I'm not familiar with his other work. I still have to dive into it. But um, older, younger guy. Uh, He's an older gentleman. Okay. He's really good. Uh, He's really cool. Actually got some like fire emojis after like I posted my cipher on there. Hey. But I'm moving too fast. So. <laughs> <laughs> so one train ciphers. Yeah. So one train ciphers. So basically the premise is you have a bunch of people they hop into one cart of like the one train there's like a bajillion cameras there's a bajillion people on the train and you just like start ciphering and rapping and they put on a beat where there's like buster rhymes nas uh like any type of beat and then it's just like you're we're gonna record you and gonna be rapping and it's just like it's so quintessentially new york (laughs) because you have the iconography of the one train that has like the rng seats like there's If you the don't live in joints. yeah, if you don't live in New York, not every train looks like that. Like it's just the, <laughs> those trains are the older trains, so they they just have them in service. Those like the six, the one, and a few other lines I think still the use B it. B and the D sometimes. Yeah, the B and the D have like those older trains, but like the A, the five, especially the A. The A has like a new one. Dude, the A is new. I took it yesterday. I was like, what? Yeah, the A because those tunnels are wider. But we'll get into uh, that on a train episode. But, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so everybody to, piles into one car, yeah, everybody piles into one Imagine car. Imagine that conductor, he's like, <laughs> Oh, they These fucking kids. that was so oh, you know, it's funny. I'm sure some, some are like very New York and they're like, Yo, I love this shit. Oh, this the, is why I come to work. It That's was so true, funny. True. Uh, they actually shut down the one show. This is the last one train cipher from what I'm aware of because what? it was it was close to like 500 to 1,000 people being there. What? It was one of the, I think it's one of the biggest, largest ciphers that I've seen recorded. I'm not going to lie. Was that because it was known as the last one? Yeah, I think so. I think just the way that they promoted it, it just reached so far out. Um, yeah. And yeah, so imagine, it was so many people on the cart that they actually shut down the one train on 30, 23rd Street. What? Yeah, I have, the, I have to show you the label, but they so- were... So how many individuals are contributing to the freestyle? Oh, it was it was a lot of people. I don't even know the number of people are freestyle. It was just like a fight just for everyone to, you know, start rapping. Right, right. So the funny thing was, um <laughs> so the first cart we didn't get on on two thirty eighth street because at the time two forty second street was under construction because weekend service. Mm-hmm. So everybody met up at two thirty eighth. Everyone squeezed into the cart all the way in the back. And then they had the camera set up, and then they just started rapping. Then um, me and my friend were over on, uh, I think, 207 so that we didn't miss the train, so that we didn't ride up to 238 and then have to wait in the back and try to squeeze in. Mm-hmm. So we got on 207, got to a couple carts over, and then just walked in between the carts to head over to the last cart that we could possibly could. And then the, the cart that everybody was in, everybody was squeezing in, so we, we pulled the next cart over. But then we had our own speaker, so we started our own freestyle cipher on the side for a little bit just to pass the time. And then we made it to the main cipher room. And then we're over here, like trying to squeeze in, trying to get into the cipher. We couldn't get in. Um, We did get some cool footage. And then they just kicked us off at Twenty Third Street. <laughs> the the they they call the police. They called somebody somebody oh. somebody. 
I won't say snitch, but they opted. It's pretty <laughs> they, snitch activity. The, the ops, the ops came in and they were just like, "Hey, there's this, some disturbing service. I have to pull up the screenshot. It is so funny." Um, okay, so everybody piles into the last cart of the one train, probably yes. Saturday. This is on. Uh, I believe this is on the Sunday that just passed. Sunday. <laughs> okay. So then yeah. there's. I mean, I'm envisioning the last cart is packed to the brim. It is. With I have never seen the mic. So many people in one cart in my life. Like people were hanging off this. It looked like warriors. If you ever seen warriors, it looked like sea. It looked like that, but it was a sea of people. Okay. Wait. What? Yes. Describe to the this? people what you're so, looking at. Uh, it looks like a giant like ballroom. Yeah, honestly. so this is this is when we got kicked off at 23rd Street and we had to find a park to get everyone to the, continue the cipher because everybody was like, we're still rapping. Like, we have yeah. to keep on going. So we ended up being on 23rd Street. We walked all the way to the High Line and then this is underneath the portion of the High Line and then we start rapping and then we have this iconic shot right here. Oh! <laughs> The young sage yes. in his uh, classic Denali. Yes, in my classic white classic Denali. Classic bandana. White bandana. And he is, uh, you know, letting it fly. Yes, and <laughs> I just had an amazing time. That Who was, took those? Um, that was uh, uh, one of the people from how, um, from uh, the House Mules. I believe it, her at is at RFS uh, Visuals. Uh, we'll definitely tag. So yeah, is in, there anywhere? The I mean, maybe we could put a link in the script for yes. uh, any any uh, video coverage of of uh, this cipher here. Oh uh, yes, we will definitely spread the word. And were you totally freestyling, or was this like yes? A this was this was this was like, total like freestyles. Like no really? practice. Like just whatever was on the top of the head was what was on top of the head and what was what came wow. out. But nice. yeah, like imagine this is. Oh, this wow. was so packed. Like yes, I've seen listeners, we're looking at uh, yeah, a one train filled to the brim. I mean, people are standing on the seats, hopping over one another, uh, all in search of the mic. Yes, and, this uh, was this was a very beautiful, MC, MC. beautiful time. We, I will make it my effort to send these visuals and put them. Hopefully, we could put this one on the cover page because I did take that photo. So, what were the uh, <laughs> what were the reactions? Were there any like real? Uh, you know, potent moments of uh, reactions from from your bars. Um, it was it was just a lot of fun. I had okay. I had I had did um be like water, my friend. My armament data defend for auto critique. Um, that one's from one of my verses. Okay. Um, be like water, my friend. My armament data defend for auto critique. Mistaking my cool demeanor for the visa, trying to swipe the credit from me. And I was just like, I was like, and then I, but I, I flipped it during the cipher. I don't remember what I said afterwards. <laughs> you were in a, but, in a state. Yeah, I was in a state. It was just a, it was just a flow state. It was just wow. like they tried to cut me off, like the Caesar, trying to see some, uh, like the Romans or something. I, I did wow. some, I did some, I did some twister words and twister phrase. But I also had <laughs> shout my friends. Yeah, I had some, um, some friends. Uh, shout out, uh, Prince Inspiration. He was on the cipher. Uh, he's uh, another coming mm. artist. I want to have him on this podcast too. Lovely. Um, nice. Shout out Jules from the X. Um, another amazing artist. I, I work with him all the time. He's actually on one of my songs. Like a fucking locomotive. Yeah, like okay. a like a loader. <laughs> 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 so Lucas is he, a fan. <laughs> he, he showed us this this really sick verse by him. Um, yeah, or that was like a hook. Yeah. Well, what did he say? Like I'm a. Something like because when I'm moving, I'm like, like, ah, man, you put yeah. me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking locomotive. Hey, yes, hey. Yes, uh, yeah, I love, yes. I love that song. Shit was hard. We listened to that at work. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Um, also, that's awesome. also, um, shout out, uh, Moody. Uh, she's a rapper as well, and uh, we have uh, Petty Wop who was on there. Amazing, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I local saw her. Rapper. I started following. Her. I was like, God, yeah, damn. amazing, amazing. <laughs> really, that was my first time seeing her rap. Um, Prince had seen her just been being around in like local shows and everything, but I had seen her in person. I was like, Nah, she's a real thing. Mm. So, um, yeah, yeah, big shout outs to to her and everybody else that was like deciphering. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick the Great was a great cipher artist too. Um, uh. We have uh, Mez, who is like a, another mm-hmm. writer, um, rapper who was just killing it. Like he's all over the cipher. Like he's the one that was just like, I have the cheese and tomatoes. Like it was, a, <laughs> I did, nice. it was, it was great. But, uh, but yeah, lovely. this is not the. We have uh, a topic this episode. What was the topic, Trent? 
Whoa. So the topic is our first review for the Twilight Zone. Um, what was the episode called? I always forget the name. And when the sky was opened, and I believe. When the sky was open, Whoa, season one, episode ominous. fifteen. Yes. If it's I'm kind of so, it, and that yes, and that episode is very much. A, I'm not supposed to be here. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, I mean that is our actual namesake of this podcast. Yes, I'm supposed to be so. here. Yeah, yeah which so. is a pretty pretty huge pivotal moment kind of for all of us um yeah season one episode 15 correct me if i'm wrong yeah i, th- um, I think there's somewhere somewhere over there um but, uh, yeah for any listeners who who would like to uh to listen to it beforehand i would suggest as you follow along on our uh review here oh excuse me and i'm incorrect it's going to be season one episode 11 and when this guy opened yeah yes. when this guy you know what's what crazy what's up correct me I hope listeners correct me if I'm wrong, but I did not hear the phrase, I'm not supposed to be here specifically uttered by none of the characters. No, no I don't think it's, it's true. There. No, there was like, it was like very, not... very close. Like I was yes, just, I was, you were waiting for it. I was, <laughs> I was waiting too. for it. I was just like looking for it in the episode. But even though we got our namesake from like partially from this episode, along with like uh, a couple of other things, there was mm-hmm. like no mention of this specific phrase which i found so awesome <laughs> true true i guess that's a bit of a improvis improvisation on that yeah end then. yeah but i feel like the the sentiment is like sprinkled throughout oh yeah sure. you feel it going on like you feel it uh, and he gets really close to saying it i was like Wait. yeah he got super <laughs> close um so a trend so yeah let, like let's 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 start off with the synopsis so Essentially, what the episode is about it, it's uh, there are the th- these three pilots that journey into space on what I believe is called the X twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, they go off radar for twenty four hours, and then the ship crash lands in the desert. Um, two of the pilots have a few scrapes, and one of them actually has a broken leg. Broken leg, and he's um, you know, he's in the the hospital the whole time. So what begins to happen after they visit, you know, one of the pilot with the broken leg is um, they go to a bar and one of the pilots starts to feel funny and he he makes a phone call to his parents and they're they're saying they don't know who he is don't prank call us yeah that was and then well this is actually the flashback i got a little ahead of myself uh one of the pilots actually visits the guy in the um uh in the hospital and he does he only remembers two pilots himself and the other guy and then the one that felt felt funny in the bar essentially no one on earth remembers him yeah except Um, for this one astronaut that uh, yeah, the the, the the solo astronaut that that uh, was at the bar with him, you know, and then so that you, the episode follows the solo astronaut essentially uh, as he's trying to figure out what the hell is going on, you know, wondering why nobody remembers him and why everybody's acting crazy. Are, are they pranking me? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. am I am I just losing it? Am I really that crazy? And then towards the end of the episode, um, you know, they end up back inside the hospital room and, you know, the astronaut that remembers the disappeared astronaut. I should use names here. Um, was it Harrison? Harrison was the there one. Was, uh, it was Forbes. It was Forbes, Gard, Harrison. And, and Harrington. Harrington. Yeah, Harrington. Harrington. Yeah. Harrington. Harrington. So, yeah. <laughs> I love the way he, that they spoke. The way that he said Harry Ting was just 50s. it just it just punched so so <laughs> <laughs> it just hit so hard like it, it, to use modern phrases like it hit different when he said Harry Ting where like it was I just wanted to just like highlight just mm-hmm. the acting chops of the people during this episode because it was so believable no it matter really like, was and no matter how cheesy it was like even though like. Some parts where I was just like, all right, that could have been like, for my modern sensibilities, right. I was just like, all right, this this is definitely from the 50s. But, but yeah, essentially, uh, so Forbes is the pilot that remembers him. And essentially, you know, as there, you know, as the episode comes to a close, you know, there's a, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a heated exchange where he's trying to get the, the, the third pilot to remember him. And then. He disappears, and then that third pilot realizes, oh, shit, he was right, and now I'm going to disappear, and then, you Mm. know, they're gone. Absolutely, yeah, and I mean, um, 
I mean, along with the incredibly uh, kind of riveting uh, storyline that the that the plot follows, uh, as Christian said, I think that the acting is really what seals the deal on the um, kind of overall uh, impression that the episode leaves you with. And Christian, elaborate more on the, yeah, the acting, just, if you will, because there were a few instances that really stuck out to me. Yeah, because when you first enter the episode, you're coming in completely blank. Um, it just shows like, you know, the, the news clippings and everything and whatnot. Um, and then you're just introduced to this character in the most frantic state that I can remember a character starting off in from the Twilight episodes that I've seen. Like I never mm-hmm. seen a character so like frantic mm-hmm. at the beginning. Right. Like usually they kind of go down a path or something or like they have a cool kind of sense of like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like type of like panic and like existential like terror. Mm-hmm. But he just seemed like completely, completely like just near the brink of like insanity before. Mm-hmm. And that was very well communicated. And it was very funny, like in contrast, because the other pilots like, what are you even talking about? Like he's just very chill about it. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like, don't even, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also I believe like the way that it was shot as well, um, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely makes it so that you follow um, the stage directions of the actors and they played it very, very well mm-hmm. at the time and it aged perfectly. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there was a, uh... Yeah, I mean, there were just like a few mannerisms that that really uh, kind of stuck with me. I mean, um, the the uh, actor, I did, his name escapes me, but uh, the one who played Forbes, kind of like the lead in the uh, in the episode. Yeah, very much carried the episode. He really did. Yeah, and like there were a lot of like up close, uh, kind of like shots of his face, uh, and just like the raw emotion that you could like see in his face was was really outstanding because, I mean, as you said, you could kind of read in his eyes and, and the way just like his, his facial expressions were that he really was like experiencing that existential terror. Um, and I think for whatever reason, that kind of taps into like that that fear that maybe we would all have, perhaps more so as a child, where it's like, what if I was just all alone? Like, and I had nobody and nobody knew who I was. Um, and, and I think that the actor, uh, you know, who, who played Forbes, uh, I think he conveyed that really well. And I think that just kind of helped translate even more, uh, the fear that he was going through or that one would go through had they be in that situation. Yeah, it was, um, I, I felt that as we learned more about his circumstances Mm -hmm. that you saw and felt the impending doom, because Mm -hmm. if it happened to the one then you knew after some time having watched it mm-hmm. and like yeah, if you've it seen was inevitable that it was inevitable and he himself was coming to like grips with that mm-hmm. and right while simultaneously kind of trying to like make sense of it or almost deny it and trying to warn the other astronaut too and trying to have at least one person believe them but it was kind of too late by the other time the other one believed yeah. them. you know something that uh again to to kind of uh give credit to their acting um there was that there's like this stare that they have whenever like that that moment kind of hit them yeah um you know the the first gentleman i believe uh, that was gart i want to say he uh whenever they're they're sitting in the bar and then like this like this look just comes over his face where it's just like i mean almost like a jaw drop and like your face kind of sinks and like your muscles relax and like your eyes get wide where it's just like you felt that i mean magnitude of whatever it was that he was going through, like it just hit him like a ton of bricks. And he knows that like that, uh, you know, power that be is about to like strike down on him. And there's like not a single way that he can escape it, deny it, or, you know, become elusive to it. And um, again, as the episode progresses, then you kind of understand like what it is that they're up against, which is completely terrifying. But um, I don't know. I was also trying to like, like, pin down like what exactly is it uh, about? real quick did you say gart was the one in the uh the bar i believe gart was the first one that disappeared no gart was the um uh-huh. gart was the one bedridden it was harrington was the first oh one. Yeah, harrington. okay so okay. It's, before so, before the viewers correct you yeah yeah before <laughs> the viewers beat you up. <laughs> but i'm sorry Continue. but no yeah like uh what uh i mean what what elements of the episode is it that are actually like so kind of like scary to or just terrifying to to the human being like what 
what is it about the elements of the episode that that are so terrifying? Uh, yeah, I think um, well, uh, two shots that really stuck with me was when, um, you know, when um, gosh, what's that guy's name? That's such a, Forbes come when his wife um, finds him and they have that exchange. He's like, I know, Harrington's at the bar. And he goes back to the bar. Um, and I believe he ends up in the um, the <laughs> little way telephone booth. Yep. And it's got that over that. Um, there's also a shot, I think, outside the bar that's like up high as well. But the one where he's in the phone booth and it's up high, it really conveys like this real sense of loneliness because he's like surrounded mm. by darkness. And then the other scene that got me was when, um, when is it Gar? Gar, uh, Gart, excuse me, Gart is like when he realizes it's the end and he looks in the mirror and he like, there's like this, this look of terror and mm. then he's gone. Those scenes really, um, really stuck with me. Mm. Um, yeah, that was when it, he was in like the photo or the phone booth and then like, yeah, he just has that, that look. And yeah. Then, yeah. Gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It really, I imagine because this is one of one of the um, the allegories I see with this is is about mm. death and accepting the end. It's like, you know, we don't really know how we're going to react if we know it's coming. You know, um, we spend a lot of our lives, you know, trying to trying to fight the inevitable. You know, the, the living mm. is is a, is like a constant grind to not die. You know, if yeah. you don't eat, you're gonna die. You know, you want to, if you don't eat healthy, you're going to die faster. If you don't, you know, work out, there's, there's a chance that you're going to, you know, you, you could die faster, you know, and it's all these things that we do, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, I was going to say like, um, I had wrote some, no- some notes down. So I Lovely. put, um, the fear of being forgotten or oh, the huge. fear of your experience being denied and called an illusion. So it was like him being uh forbes uh believing that he was like essentially like we use the word gaslit now but like (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um that's 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 but like everyone that he spoke to like had no recollection of a person that he was just with and it just Mm -hmm. felt like he himself was like losing his own sanity Mm -hmm. which was like one fear that was being tapped into and then Later on in the episode, he comes to terms with the fact that he himself too may disappear, and he himself is like uh, starts questioning like, "What if I'm not supposed to be here?" Um, and um, I have I have like some theories. I want to mm-hmm. hear some of your theories. Um, like, did they even make it out the crash in the first place? Mm. Yeah, it was an experimental vehicle. Maybe they were. Yeah, that's <laughs> very true. Was that's... experimenting with making people disappear and making them be forgotten. Mm. Yeah, or they, um, they once so. they or maybe like they crashed in the desert, and this is just like an expression of purgatory and them coming to terms with like being forgotten and being mm-hmm. being alone. I wrote down ah, that reminds me. You ever seen Jacob's Ladder? No, I've no. definitely heard of that. Though. It's a really good movie. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but it's a guy. Should he full blown spoil it right now, Christian? I have never seen it. No, I'm gonna hold back. I want want y'all to see it. It's a really good watch. But essentially, a guy comes back from war, and he starts seeing stuff, and the world is just crazy after the war, and he feels like he's being followed and all these things. But the quote that it made me think of was, Mm -hmm. um, "And if you're frightened of dying and you're holding on, you'll see devils tearing your life away." But if you've made your peace, then the devils are really angels freeing you from the earth. Wow. Whoa. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if they actually, I don't really know if they actually made their peace. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like it, it felt like an unfinished business, which is kind of why I say like what, and like, I guess we could talk about like one of my theories in terms of like a framework of interpreting the episode in the sense that like, what if like they died at the desert and this is just their expression of just understanding that uh, um, that they face death and that now they are no longer a part of like society as they see yeah. it. And they have mm-hmm. to just come to terms with uh, being forgotten. And I feel like most of them, they, they kind of just saw their impending doom mm-hmm. and um, weren't able to, to handle it. And they kind of just they kind of just left it unfinished. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, that's that's a really it's, it's like tortured souls. That. They're they're, they're yeah, trying to like come souls. to grips with it, but um, not actually actually being alive anymore. But yeah, mm. I appreciate um I appreciate them using the desert because um there is this old um this old like um I believe it's like a play or um not play but um it's like an old text and it's like the story of Ozymandias and you hear it like often like talked about but it's basically like this great king uh he wanted to make an empire that was like lasting forever but um it just like a, a onlooker is just looking at just like destroyed like frameworks of like what was what seemed like a society it's not even like it's like being eroded by the sands of time and it's just mm-hmm. like here loves here lies Ozymandias, the greatest king on earth. And yet like all that he worked and like stood for had like no impact versus um versus time. So like none of his none of his works lasted the test of time. And it's kinda like uh I guess it's like um a comment on some of the th- some of the themes of this episode mm-hmm. in terms of like what if I'm forgotten? Yeah, legacy. And, yeah, and your legacy just being completely erased. Um, I find it like amazing that these news clip newspaper clippings, like this is a celebration, like, hey, they returned. Mm-hmm. But um it slowly kind of gets diminished and as the episode goes on, so like as time goes on, it goes from like three to two to one to none. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the expression of the same with like Ozymandias in the really sense is. that as time progressed the influence and like the accomplish, uh, accomplishments of the past mm-hmm. um, didn't stand the test of time, mm. um, which is ironic because this episode actually stands the test of time. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah, yeah. That was something I was thinking of. I mean, as a side note, it's just that like, I mean, that came out December 11th, 1959. And here we are somewhat oh, wow. uh, 70 years later, 60s. I'm not good at math. Uh, years later. A lot of years later. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's just like, that's really incredible that we're still here talking about it. Um, yeah. yeah which I was going to say like that the, is a bit ironic. the expression of like this topic is very, um, I like the Twilight Zone. uh for this reason because it, it deals with stuff that's very core to being like a person mm-hmm. and i feel mm-hmm. like when you deal with something so naturally and just get like a really snap like a cool little snapshot of of just some of the worries with like some unanswered questions because there's a lot of stuff to like ponder and everything in this one there you create is. something that's like really timeless yeah absolutely i mean yeah i think it, it tackles subjects that are uh yeah timeless and have always kind of uh made man inquisitive to the to the nature of them um and i think yeah they just encapsulate that perfectly with this episode Mm -hmm. um i was gonna say what are are your favorite what are your favorite shots i know you spoke i know we spoke on some of them Mm -hmm. um i guess i'll go first um when the episode starts um the way that they do the framing in the beginning Mm -hmm. um they move the camera um to a mirror that's in the hospital room and they keep both uh forbes and his uh his fellow astronaut on the in the frame while also providing like a reflection of like um the background the foreground and then having like the midground being like um just forbes just like hanging over like the mirror just like really really mad um and kind of just like ah what a what a tough time but um yeah, that that's um, I feel like that type of visual storytelling was that um, Forbes' estate in the current, like him kind of being like downtrodden and like stressed and everything. Uh, it was kind of like this is a foreshadowing, like this will happen to you type of thing, like visually. Mm-hmm. And I thought like the way that they directed that just like influenced that kind of feeling and that type of sense of shot like this is impending doom because this episode mm. reeks of like impending doom it does yeah shout out the city <laughs> shout out to the city shout for, to the, yeah. for always being the city yes yeah. we have plenty of noise going on um yeah i mean um yeah i don't know about like shots specifically for me but um i mean honestly leave it to rod serling um you know creator uh primary writer on the show um, I really, really loved his like exiting monologue. Um, said something to the effect of, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, he kind of spoke to their fears of being like wiped away and erased. Uh, and something that I really liked is how they both said uh, there's there's someone or something that like took them out of where they were. And I think that that just like, I don't know, it kind of just like it, it answers, but it, then it also just adds more mystery like to, to what exactly yeah was mm-hmm. to happen or what exactly did happen to them. Um, but yeah, shot specific, I mean... Um, I don't know, Trent. What, what what do you got? Um, that's 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 interesting because those were gonna. Uh, that's what I was gonna say about the two shots I mentioned. Um, it has sort of a very um godlike voyeurism aspect mm. to it. Of you know that the aspect of like looking down. Yeah, like a third person omniscient. Ah, that's yeah, true. And, and, and also <clears throat> is gonna is gonna tie into another theory. Um. Maybe only um, Harrison was supposed to go. I was thinking about that mm. because you know Harrison was the uh, at first he was the only one who felt it, right? Oh yeah, Harrington, Harrington, Harrington. I keep saying Harrison. Uh, <laughs> no, we're Harring- gonna mess up the Harrington. names a lot. Um, Harrington was, you know, he was the first person to go, but Forbes was the one who remembered him. And then he goes, and I, I was questioning if Forbes didn't speak about Harrington, would he not have gone? And there's mm. a, uh, and, and that yeah. quote at the end where it says, because, you know, and then after, of course, after Forbes goes, Gart has to go because now he's like, yo, yeah, he was just here. Yeah. Y'all don't remember him. But um, there's that quote at the end where he's like, if you, it's something like if you if you know of three uh, pilots in the X twenty or whatever, mm-hmm. speak softly of them. Yes, like it, unless you're in the twilight zone. So does yes. that mean like if we start to speak about them, we'll be forgotten too? Yeah. You know that, that, oh. that made me question it. Um, I was like, well, wait, maybe maybe only Harrington. Oh, look, look, it's kind of quiet over there. Uh-oh. And then where'd he go? Know, What's you know up? what's funny too what's is uh, there were three pilots and there's three of us. Oh, oh no! Oh, oh snap! <laughs> Speak no, really, softly. Really interesting. Um, and if I could connect another dot of this episode here, um, the the gentleman who did the I guess music composition. What would you call that title? Yeah. Um, the yeah, music producer, whoever, uh, is actually Leonard Roseman, right? Mm-hmm. Who did the score? For not only East of Eden, but also Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, shit. And was a direct associate and good friend of none other than James Dean. Wow. Which is incredibly fascinating. Yeah, I saw... Full circle moment. I was was reading the wiki this morning, and um, I I saw that, uh, that he was the producer of the music, whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, no way it's the same person. And sure enough, yeah, really interesting stuff. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so what what are your final takeaways in terms of uh, how you felt watching the episode? Um, and also the context in which you watched the episode. So um, I guess I'll go first because I was watching this at my aunt's house and I was, <laughs> I was like pieced out. Like my state of mind was like tired from finals week. So like I was somewhat engaged. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it wasn't my favorite Twilight episode by any means. Mm-hmm. I have I have a personal favorite. Ooh, um, ooh. Yeah, I hope we can review that one in the future. But um, but yeah, um, but it didn't keep me hooked. The acting was really great. Um but yeah, I didn't like during the time, like analytically, I could see the terror, but I didn't feel for the characters. And I don't know if that's like a thing. I also believe like it's part of the way that they did their perspective. Because mm-hmm. like you said, it was very like omniscient, kind of just like watching a tragedy yeah, very unfold rather than just like yeah. being very up close and personal. And I feel like it was very impersonal other than like the charisma that they displayed on Steen, mm-hmm. like in terms of like the mm-hmm. astronauts joking around with each other. Um, but I didn't um, feel the terror of the characters. I just felt the tragedy of just like the impending doom and like mm-hmm. knowing that like it's gonna happen. Yeah. What about you guys? Um, I I felt the terror definitely. Like with the um the uh the scene I mentioned where you know uh, Gart realizes it's his time. You know I I gotta go. Mm. And there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, when he calls yeah. out to the nurse, right? Yeah, that that, that scene did get me a little bit though. Um, yeah, but I, I I get what you're saying. I think, um, where it comes in, I mean, yeah, it was it was impersonal. Where it comes in for me is just having that fear 
of, you know, I guess that's what spoke to me the most, having that, I'm glad you said fears, that's such a good word to describe this episode, uh, having that fear of death and the unknown and being forgotten, I think that is what, um, that is what spoke to me as opposed to, you know, these per- these people's personalities, you mm. know, and I think that that made them feel grounded and human, uh, regardless of whatever accolades they had as pilots or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and what, whatever Air, Fo- Air Force, I guess they're the Air Force. Right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, it was like, I don't even know, it was just like an experimental type of thing, so. Yeah. yeah. But I imagine it takes a lot of years but to they're, do that. They're, I guess they'd technically be astronauts, too, since yeah. they're in the space. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think another thing that kind of struck me is this was is almost like an allegory for being uh, a a veteran and going off to war and yeah. then coming back and speaking about all these experiences and mm. people not understanding because they didn't go through the same thing wow. things you did and then also being forgotten like so many especially out here in New York you see it a lot so many yeah. homeless veterans just slipping through the cracks and then also, and there's the, like a historical precedent for that too. Yeah, after uh, like uh, the 40s and the 60s and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the, after a lot of the, the bi- time, the big one. Mm-hmm. After yeah. the like World War II, this is like a lot of the, a lot of the um, ideas and everything that kind of fluctuate. So I could kind of see like where um, the writing comes in from that aspect. As this is like a, something that uh, permeates throughout um, the series of just like the sense of grief and loss mm-hmm. and like mystery and government experiments or like something going awry. And that was 1959. So that was what the world was somewhat fresh off of world war two. Right. Yeah. Definitely yeah. A prominent. I know Rod Serling was certainly not a proponent of war. Um, yeah. So I think he had a, a, you know, a few two cents to contribute on that. But, but yeah, this is cold where cold, my fault, cold war era media in terms of like the mm. overhang of the war is very very present mm. um so um and speaking on it um it definitely like permeates the show as you watch it so you have to look at it from the lens like the united states and like russia and everything are kind of like at odds and mm. at any moment like nuclear fallout like or some fun. type of like some type of like unknown is kind of just looming mm-hmm. and this is the sentiment for believe like 40-ish years almost the cold war was long it was like yeah yeah end of world war ii to like 89 i think so it was it was a long or Mm. end of 45 to 89 i don't remember the years but it it definitely influences the way that the writing is coming from this standpoint because you deal with like a lot of astronauts and uh just the unknown generally Mm. Um, also, oh, I, well, I'm gonna, yeah, I'll yeah, finish. Yeah. Um, also, speaking to that, there's um, some allusions to alcoholism and substance abuse in there too. Yeah, you know, mm. to to further that point about veterans. Um, I think I, you see it most after he leaves the bar and he meets up with his wife, and he's very sweaty, and his his clothes and his hair are unkempt, like they're all over the place. Like that really signifies like you know this guy is going through some stuff and he's turning to other means to to help cope with it you know mm-hmm. some things that he feels like no one else understands mm. but yeah go ahead Lutz. very true um okay so so refresh me again here this is uh the the over yeah the final thoughts yeah, final thoughts final thoughts i mean um yeah for me i think the 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 twilight zone in general i think that it it really speaks to me in terms of like the realism of things, um, you know, given back in the fifties, they didn't, uh, in the early sixties, they didn't have the most advanced, um, you know, cinematics and like CGI and things like that. So I think something that Rod Serling was really excellent with was, uh, just conveying a story that isn't far off from the truth at all, but is, uh, even more terrifying than like, you know, a ghost popping out of a dark corner or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like I think that he achieves that through dialogue and just through emotion and quality acting, as as we had said before. Any favorite um, lines? Um, you know, so there was, uh, man, there was, uh, ah, there were a few parts. There was, there was, so there was one, there was one line where, uh, or not, not a line, but um, Forbes, the main, the main guy, he, it was kind of when it settled on him, like the. 
the magnitude and the gravity of the situation and he was just like this is weird like this is really <laughs> yeah that line yeah, stuck weird and he's too. like kind of laughing but like this is also like you know after he's been through such a like psychologically traumatic event um and just like how he how he uh you know just like carries himself you can kind of see him progress uh emotionally and psychologically and um just to just to watch somebody go through that is like is pretty terrifying and like you you kind of i mean you're with the character for the entire episode and you know the the kind of meat of the situation so you can really kind of empathize with him um or see see what he's going through through his own lens um but i think just uh that one i mean i think it's just like the realism for me that that really kind of like strikes a chord because it's just something that's not uh like again you just don't you don't need a hundred million dollar cgi you know production to get it done and and the the terror and the like uh frighteningness of it is is conveyed just through dialogue and i think that's something that's like really not easy to achieve and i think that they they did phenomenal with that um and also as always i I really just i one of some of my favorite elements of the twilight zone is just rod serling's opening and exiting monologue i mean his his monologue was so it was on point this episode like they're incredible which one the opening or closing the opening i love the opening for this one because it just it gave me all the information didn't overstay its welcome and i was like propelled and i was ready to go on the adventure that was like set before me absolutely absolutely the closing one was good i don't remember it because i did see this a little minute ago but the Mm -hmm. opening one did stick with me uh and the like the shots the things that stuck with me were the newspaper clippings and how they always had one less astronaut in it Mm -hmm. and that was like very very good uh just visual like like confirmation that like the world itself was morphing to erase these people it wasn't like right it wasn't just like him just saying like he's gone like no this is a real life effect and that to me is like the scariest part um again yeah just how like simple but like impactful that it is yeah like that that type of stuff was was great and uh overall yeah this episode this episode was a definitely a trip i would say like it was it was a fun one certainly i agree what's your favorite um that Fav- you had favorite piece of dialogue or no like your favorite your favorite episode because you mentioned you had a favorite. <laughs> oh favorite episode um i have a few the one that i remember off the top of my head i don't even think i finished the whole episode i just remember this scene being so iconic but it's when the guy is in the library and all that he wants is like to read and oh, he has he glasses yeah. yeah yeah and then should i spoil it uh, or should we talk about that well i think we can yeah, circle back to that one we, we can circle back to that yeah. one but it's the it's the one where he's in a library yeah um that episode yeah that, that's a really good one i think that's also season one yeah season one yeah yeah rod sterling man he was he was so great he was like I mean, yeah, he was trying to battle censorship like in the 50s and like going toe to toe with cable networks and really just trying to fight to to put quality stuff out there that wasn't, you know, completely squares. Everything else was back in the day. Yeah, this, it's, it's so crazy because um, it's funny that he named the show Twilight Zone because that's where he's his um his show pretty much existed, like it existed on the end of on like the spectrum of either being completely like erased itself and mm-hmm. i feel like that kind of feeds into his um his fears about creating the show in the first place absolutely um that kind of like ozymandias like i said before created this big vast like empire or whatnot and it kind of just was erased and he was always on the verge of like having his work and his show being like canceled itself mm. yeah and i think if i'm not mistaken it was it really wasn't a big hit in its day no but not I mean, really Dude, that thing is, I mean, just trying to look for the episode today, it's so, like, gatekept. Like, it's, yeah, like it's very hard behind to find Amazon, it. behind Freebie, behind Paramount Plus. I'm like, wow. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's this, hard to get. It, it's definitely hard to get. It's one of those pieces of lost media. Um, well, it's, the name itself, like, the brand is very, like, alive and well and, like, the moments. Mm-hmm. But, like, true, actually really. watching and, and reviewing the episodes, it takes it takes some time. So I'm glad that for our first uh I guess evaluation of a of a singular piece of uh, media and whatnot that we found something that could have been lost, like uh, Ozymandias' uh, empire. 
Absolutely. The The name of the episode is uh, Time Enough at Last. Yes, Time Enough at Last. Yes. Uh, oh. Season 1, Episode 8. Yes. Oh, for Christian's favorite episode. Yes. Yeah, so, okay, um, we'll have to circle back to that. Yeah, we'll circle back that to that. That might be our next review. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm loving these Twilight Zone uh, episodes. Definitely. Um, yeah, y'all. I think that's about closing thoughts. All right. right. Any thank yous? Uh, uh, again, thank you for the one trying cipher. Everyone that was uh, a part of it. That I feel like that's a that's <laughs> gonna be cemented in New York history. I, I'm I'm pretty proud of it. Wow. Epic. Epic. Tramp. Uh, thank you to James Dean for the uh, the, the the cameo. Oh, uh, yeah. Rod Sterling. And all the creators who make work that is not only intellectually but emotionally challenging, you mm. know, regardless of the times that they live in, when you know, son, it's it's not always easy to create art that that wasn't meant to to keep people content. Mm. Yeah. yeah, love. Yeah, um, yeah. For this one, I mean, I'll keep it short and sweet. Yeah, Rod Serling, huge, huge, huge. Um, an incredible writer, an incredible director. Um, had a great work ethic. Um, yeah, created an incredible show that's that's really timeless. I mean, what else from back then ages that? Well, I mean, there's a handful of things, but yeah, uh, to execute I do love that it, era. to execute it so well. Um, and it trend, as you said, like emotionally challenging stuff. That's, that's not an easy feat. Uh, his legacy lives on and he just gave us uh, a great, great, um, session of dialogue. So shout out Rod Sterling. Also shout out, uh, to this episode for giving us our namesake in part. Ooh, Ooh huge, yeah. huge, 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 nice. indeed. Nice. Yeah. All listeners, uh, if you've made it this far, 100% go check that episode out. Two bucks on YouTube. It's free. If you have Amazon. Yeah, freebie. I'll let you get it, but you gotta watch the commercials though. You gotta watch it old school. You get like sixty seconds of commercials. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, shout out to everyone. Uh, I'm thankful for everyone that chooses to listen to this. Absolutely, hey. absolutely. Is uh, is our road to ten uh, is well underway? Here. <laughs> the Big Ten. The yeah, Big Ten. ten. <laughs> we'll explain the Big Ten on the final episode. That. All yeah. right. Uh, this has been Trent. Something something with. With uh, oh, we didn't even introduce ourselves. <laughs> they know us. By now. Yeah, they know us by now. It's uh, eclectic sage or Christian. Lucas Miguel Gustin docks me, baby. <laughs> uh, this is I'm not supposed to be here, and thank you, folks. You've been a gorgeous, invisible audience. <laughs>